just so I've got some time for intros and outros. Do you have any questions or anything? I don't think so. I mean, everything you sent me looks pretty straightforward and all that kind of good stuff. So Okay, perfect. And if so, and I'm just praying that the, the principal doesn't come on and make an announcement <laughs> while I'm sitting here. So, <clears throat> but the class, the bell won't ring until 1136. So we've got plenty of time. So Okay, perfect. Um, well, the main thing is if he does come on the intercom or if something happens, just kind of do a hard stop and yep. then um, wait for it to be done. And then I will come back on or you like just kind of finish your pick sentence. Pick up where. Yeah, perfect. pick up with the full sentence. I know that's kind of hard to do in the moment. Um, and then we will record for about 30 minutes. The main thing is just to remember that it's super conversational. So even yeah. though we can't see each other, um, I may throw some different questions at you just kind of based yeah. on your answers. Um, so the questions are just kind of a framework and then I may throw different stuff at you. So, Perfect. um, and what's the other thing I think, do you have a microphone that maybe is on your, cause I think if you're moving, I'm hearing a little bit of scratching. Okay. I will um, so, hold it out from my shirt. Yeah, so it doesn't the main thing is if you clothes. can hold it or just try to be um, still, which is super hard to do. Um, there's so many <laughs> times I like hit my microphone and stuff. So. Oh, I know. Even like in the studio with like a big fat one right in front of me, I would like be swinging. Like I would like make a point with my hand and like hit yeah. the mic and yeah, like, that's exactly what I do. I cannot mm-hmm. not talk with my hands. So same. Yeah. <laughs> um, but other than that, you sound really good and. Um, Yeah, I think that's it. So, all right. Any other last minute thingies? I think I'm good. All right. Well, let's get started. Hey, friends, and welcome to another episode of At the Table. It's Jackie King, your host, and I am pretty excited about diving into today's conversation with women in leadership in the SBC. I get to invite my friend, Mary Margaret, onto the podcast. Mary Margaret, thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. We just got to hug next at the Lifeway Women's Leadership Forum, and you actually got to lead a breakout, which is some of what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. Um, so why don't you tell us just a little bit about you, where'd you grow up, how did you get connected to the SBC, all those fun get-to-know-you things. Sounds good. Well, I um, grew up in Orlando, Florida, which is actually where I'm living now, and never thought I would be back here <laughs> at home, um, but grew up... Uh, here, kindergarten through graduating high school. Uh, And my dad was on staff at First Baptist Orlando for 13 years. And so, um, you know, SBC life has been a part of my life for not just my life, but my parents' lives and just like generations past. And so all of my friends, excuse me, all of my friends would give me a hard time just because um, that like, it's just like, especially in seminary, because they just knew that like my family was very Southern Baptist and always had been. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just kind of normal for me, but, um, but something I'm really proud of and proud to be a part of. And, um, but grew up here, went to college at DBU in Dallas, Texas. Um, yes. <laughs> oh yes. Shout out to big Texas <laughs> and everything is bigger and better. I did learn that very quickly. Oh, you and, said it, not I. <laughs> uh, exactly. 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 And, um, and still have a Dallas phone number. Cause, and people ask me that all the time. They're like, why do you have a Dallas number? I'm like, it's where I went to college. My parents changed stuff, like whatever it is, what it is. I'm proud to have a Texas number. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, I went to college there and then really like 
long story short, felt called to ministry my junior year of college, which honestly surprised me more than anybody else around me. Like my family, my friends were not surprised at all. And I was like, God, what are you doing? Like, I don't understand. And like, this was not my plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, it's just been such a journey ever since that the Lord has had me on and has moved me all over the place. And part of that was going to New Orleans Seminary in my 20s, and um, which was such a good grounding training experience for me and of just really digging in hard. And um, after that, ended up working at Lifeway for seven years and just left Lifeway um, in August of this year. And so it's been a year of a lot of change for me, um, but moving down to Orlando with my husband for a new job for him and it opened up a door for me. So it's just been, it's been kind of wild, but that's the the very short version of my story. Um, but my, it's fun because my, my family in a lot of ways is still involved in ministry. Um, honestly, just in different ways than any of us ever thought, but just kind of in different roles throughout, um, some of it in Southern Baptist life, some of it not, but just serving churches um, mm-hmm. in a variety of ways, which, which I love. And we love talking. It's the weird thing that we talk about around the dinner table when my family's all together. So, <laughs> and isn't that just a sweet conversation? Cause it's just kind oh, yeah. of like, man, God is so cool. You know, like never would have thought that things would end up the way that they are. And yeah. that's exactly how he works. So, okay. So I'm kind of curious. Um, you sounded a little bit reluctant, which I think a lot of my guests do, um, with this entire like call to ministry. So yeah. what did that look like? Like, especially as a young woman, we've got lots of young leaders listening. So what was some of that wrestle with um, just kind of stepping into your call, like taking those next steps? What did that look like for you? Sure. And it's something that like, I'm so grateful to the Lord. And I think he, he's one of the, like, I'm one of those people that the Lord has had to like hit over the head with a two by four sometimes, mm-hmm. or like spell things out really clearly for me because I just, I'm a question, I'm a natural question asker. And so like my first thing like, I wish it wasn't my instinct to just question everything all the time, but it's just how I'm wired. And so mm-hmm. um, my junior year of college, I had served that summer with um, an organization called Student Leadership University based out of here in Orlando, worked with high school students that summer and honestly had never seen myself working. Like, I mean, I was not even that far out of high school at that point, but never saw myself working with students and um, but really enjoyed that summer, had a blast, came back to Dallas and, you know, had gotten involved in college ministry at my church, but really wasn't serving anywhere. And, and felt like the Lord was kind of making a shift in where he was calling me to, to serve and be plugged into and ended up, um, my parents had just moved to Fort Worth. And so I ended up at the same church where they were and, um, and just emailed the student pastor on a whim and just said, Hey, um, I don't know if you could use anybody, you know, like me, but like, I would love to serve in student ministry if you've got a spot. And, and my legitimate thought was maybe I can like pass out the roll or like pizza or something. <laughs> like I can check everybody off and stand in the, like kind of stand back and just like, hang there, but not like actually do anything. And I also, to be perfectly honest, was looking for service hours for schools. So I was like, I can kill two birds with one stone here, serve the Lord, get credit for it. It's going to be yeah. great. Yeah. And and that was like my honest thought as a junior in college. And he emailed me back very quickly and said, Mary Margaret, I've been praying that God would send me somebody to teach either sixth or eighth grade girls um, on Sunday mornings. Like basically which grade would you want? And I was mm-hmm. like, what? Like yeah. long pause. I was like, Oh no, no, like, no, no, that's not what I meant. Like I really didn't mean like me teach a Sunday school class or a small group and, but prayed about it. Um, eighth graders seemed less intimidating than sixth graders at that point in life. And, um, and so I said yes to teaching a small group. And honestly, that very first Sunday, every single prayer request was about a cat. And I like, and some of you have experienced that of like Uh, being like, okay, we'll pray for your cat and your friend's cat and like your aunt's cat, like everybody's cats. And I was just like, God, I don't know. 
I think you've dropped me off in a really dark place. I don't know how to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And um, But honestly, that year, the Lord taught me so much about himself through those eighth grade girls. And and I'm having to go through the same thing again now this year, teaching middle school in a, in a classroom setting of just helping them get to the understanding of what it means to walk with the Lord and what, what kinds of things we pray for and things we pray for in class and how to pray for ourselves and real needs and all those sorts of things. But, um, but to bring it back around January of that year, my junior year in college, I, um, was in like a youth worker meeting on a Sunday night. I mean, just one of those, just run of the mill. We're all meeting together doing this thing. And it was like the Lord, while I was sitting there, just my heart was racing. My, like our student pastor was not talking about anything having to do with like a call to ministry, but I just knew sitting there that night that the Lord was calling me to full-time ministry. And I was, I was like, Oh no, no, no. Like, this is not my plan. Like I wanted to move to Nashville and work in Christian music. Like I had everything like all planned out. And, and the Lord was just like, Nope, that's not what I had in mind for you. And like this, I want you to listen for my voice. And uh, I went home that night and back to my parents' house. I was still living on campus at the time. And, um, but went and found my mom who I just love and have so much respect for. And I said, mom, like, I've got something I need to tell you, but like, like, it's totally out of left field. Like this has nothing to do with anything we've been talking about recently. And she looked at me and she said, Mary Margaret, I already know what you're going to tell me, but I just wanted to hear it from you. And it had been something that the Lord had been like, I think showing her over time, just as I was wrestling with these eighth grade girls and how to navigate, you know, small group ministry and stuff like that, that she could just tell the Lord was, you know, even before that birthing that in me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no mom, like that, it's nothing we've talked about recently. And she just kind of laughed and she said, I know. And she said, but I want to, I've been waiting to hear it from you. And, um, and I told her and she just said, I'm not surprised. And, you know, um, you know, she prayed with me and then just the Lord through scripture and through, um, just over the next few weeks, honestly, I just spent a lot of time asking people that I knew had been called to ministry, who had been called to ministry, just asking them questions. And yeah, just saying, can you tell me about your experience? And what I learned was that everybody's experience looked different. Mm-hmm. Everybody's call looked different and it's going to look different for all of us. But the the thing I needed to do was just to, to open my hands and release that to the Lord and just say, okay, like whatever you want, wherever you want. And, and it's just been such a journey since then of just walking with him and trusting him with the next step. Cause some of my steps in ministry didn't, I thought it would be a church forever. Like I thought I would be serving a local church, um, in a full-time job forever. And that's not been the majority of my, um, mm-hmm. my adulthood. And mm-hmm. so it, none of it has looked like I thought it was going to, but it's been so, so good. And the Lord just continues to teach me through that pivotal experience my junior year of college. All right. I love so much of this story. I think um, I can resonate a lot with um, just the fact that God opened a door with you being faithful in your local church. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's a really good, um, just kind of practical. You didn't start writing your book. You didn't start a life way, you know? (laughs) Um, And so I think it's really important to see how much God develops leadership and call and, you know, like kind of giving us some of those nuggets that we build on that obviously God uses to be able to grow into different avenues and things that we are able to walk forward in. But, you know, your story really just kind of started with being faithful in an email and saying, Mm -hmm. hey, I want to help. I want to serve. And so I love that about you. And I also love um, because I had the same experience with my parents whenever I was telling them about 
um, you know, like what it looked like and being a woman and what does that mean to be a woman in ministry mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And they're like, yeah, I totally see it. And I'm like, why, why are we just now having this conversation? Yeah. You know, like they knew it all along. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I love even just our parents, you know, and just them stewarding that, but also letting us wrestle it out on our own. Yeah. Um, I think as young women, it's kind of easy to kind of tack on to what we've walked in, you know, um, mm-hmm. under our parents and stuff. And so um, I just love a lot of those little nuggets of your story. So now you are um, a little bit further down the road. You've mm-hmm. done girls ministry at Lifeway. You've written a book. Yes. So I really want to kind of tackle the uh, just topic of girls ministry. Like, what are you seeing? We kind of know why and how you got real passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe over the years, what are some kind of trends that you've seen, some threads that you are specifically really having to kind of minister with students about? Like, what all are you seeing? Yeah. And it's it's crazy how how it's changed, and I think tech like I mean, and this is the obvious answer. But like technology has played such a massive role mm-hmm. in the way that that student ministry, anything you're doing with teenagers or next generation, the next generation under you. For most of you, there's somebody younger than you that would would fall into this category. But like when I I graduated high school in 2002, and so um, and cell phones like were just starting to trickle down into people my age. Like and I got one at 16 that did nothing other than make phone calls, yeah. and you know. But it was because I got lost all the time and my parents were scared like for my own well-being because I kept stopping at pay phones to ask where I was and I didn't know how to get home. Hey, wait, and did you have the Nokia? I did not. All my friends did, but my parents uh. bought me some like cheapo, like worse version than the Nokia phone that didn't even have that one game that everybody played. <laughs> oh, so. that's fun. I was thinking of the Nokia and how like cool I felt whenever I yes. was able to swap out the antenna with like the sparkly lighty one. Oh, yes. Um, you know, that's so vintage now mm-hmm. and not oh, cool. so There's vintage. so many different things. So, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, but yeah. yeah. Same thing. But so, you know, social media, technology, those sorts of things weren't even on the radar like mm-hmm. at all. And so now like even I was sitting with a group of middle schoolers earlier this morning and they're talking about TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram and the ways that they communicate with each other outside of school and um, outside of church and all of those sorts of things. And um, and it's just radically changed the way that we have to minister to them and love on them and encourage them because for some of them, it makes it really easy for them to pull back mm-hmm. and to um, just be in their own little bubble of a world with their phone. And then some, you talk to some kids who are like, my parents won't let me have one. And, and there's probably a lot of wisdom in that for some kids. And it's knowing your family and your situation and those sorts of things. But it's, it's changed the way that we minister to students. They're busier than ever. And like, I remember, you know, the days and like, I'm 35. So it's like, I don't feel like I'm that old to be like, well, when I was a teenager, Mm -hmm. but like, I feel like even when I was a teenager, like Wednesdays, even public schools didn't have much homework because people went to church on Wednesday nights. And like there weren't leagues that played on Sundays, like because people went to church. And and that has changed so radically in the last, you know, 15 years or so um, of just what it looks like um, culturally to look at church and priorities and all of those sorts of things. And so, so often the decisions that our students are making are not even their decisions. It's their parents' decisions about church and Mm -hmm. how often they attend or not. And so it's just, it's hard to get them to show up, you know, thing one, for that to be thing one, it's like for them to be at church, to be wherever you are. And, um, and so that's why like so much of what the Lord has taught me about ministry to students is so relational, um, because you really can't know them, you know, minister to them until you know them. Mm-hmm. And until they feel like you really do care about them and that like you have a vested interest in what's going on in their life and that you're going to show up and do what you said you were going to do. And, um, 
And, and that's where I think ministry, not that that hasn't always been a constant, but I think it's more important now than ever. And, and so working in girls ministry in local churches and then doing girls ministry, um, you know, kind of in a corporate setting as a girls ministry specialist at Lifeway, you know, so much of my job was just helping coach leaders, helping coach church leaders and small group leaders, student pastors, wives, helping them to better understand some tactics that will help in the long run as we try to build those relationships and as we try to bridge the gaps that are there, because they're just different now than they were for a lot of us who are adults. And so it's just trying to figure out where we can truly hone in, where we can, you know, make make everything that we do matter because we so we get so little time with students to begin with especially in church and so it's like let's not just do events to do events to try to like draw up a crowd and do something fun but let's be super intentional with everything that we do and that doesn't mean that everything has to be serious it just means that everything needs to have a purpose so that parents and students feel like you're not wasting their time because if they feel like you're wasting their time they're out and they're they're much less likely to show up the next time and so that's like 85 things rapid fire is what it feels like, but it's just, <laughs> no, nope, it's good. So much of it is just centered back on like, let's get to know one another and be really intentional with the time that we spend together. And I think mm-hmm. that's what helped birth this book was our, our team had originally at Lifeway had originally said, you know, Hey, why don't you just write like a girl's ministry handbook? Like how to do girl's ministry in the local church. And I sat back and I was like, there's no one way. Like, mm-hmm. I think you, it used to be more prescriptive than it is now, but it's like now there's, Every church looks different when it comes to ministry to girls and um, every, you know, student pastor is going to look at it differently. And so I was like, well, as I was praying and asked the Lord for wisdom and how to write a book, because it just felt really intimidating. And like, Mm -hmm. I felt felt very unqualified to be doing it, but knew that the Lord had called me to it. And, um, and so discipleship was just the thing that continued to come up to the top of the list because I'm like, that's every single one of us as a woman is called to disciple someone Mm -hmm. like no questions, no like ifs, ands, or buts. It's like, we're all called to make disciples. And so it's like, how can I help be an equipping agent so that women feel ready and um, like they have tools in hand to be able to take on what God's calling them to do and just to to make it not easy, but more simplified and just more streamlined. Um, and so that's really how Show Her the Way was birthed was just out of this um, desire for more women to feel equipped to do the thing that God has already called us to do. Okay, so good. And yes, you've said so much that I think um, I have so many questions with. So um, when you're talking about tactics, I kind of want to get into like two or three just specific ways, because I think like as I'm thinking through as you're talking, I'm thinking of people thinking like, well, we don't have a girls minister on staff or, um, you know, like, am I supposed to go be a girls minister? And so what I love about you and your book um, is that you're a woman in a local church and more than likely you've got women that are younger than you. And so, um, it's our job. It's one of our privileges to be able to steward those relationships well and be intentional in those relationships. And Mm so thinking from the standpoint of just being women leaders, several of us are women's ministers and trying to create this culture to where we are really encouraging and equipping our women to pour into the next generation. So when we're talking about tactics and we're talking about teen girls, you know, Mm -hmm. they have been described as some of the most depressed, some of the most anxious, um, you know, the things that they are wrestling with are not things that we necessarily wrestled with, even for us at 35, you know, much less those that are older than us. So I can hear a lot of women maybe in their minds thinking, I don't even know how to start that conversation 
conversation and what do I talk to them about? And I don't know what you just talked about with Snapchat and TikTok. <laughs> and right. So do I need to get those apps? So let's maybe kind of talk just a little bit about how do you start the conversation? How do you really just kind of start to bridge those relationships? And some of it is just is showing up where they are. And whether that's at like a football game on a Friday night or in a small group on a Sunday morning, or, you know, if, if you know some kids who are in band or, you know, play basketball or volleyball or, um, or, or in theater and like just showing up where they are and then, you know, just tell them you're proud of them. Tell them like you're, you're glad that, um, you know, that they're participating in something like it's just, I think some of that they need to see adults affirming them in a positive way because mm-hmm. they get so yeah. much negative, negative thought, you know, thrown at them all day long. And mm-hmm. so it's just to say, Hey, I'm here for you. Like, and if you ever want to talk, like, I'd love to hang out sometime. Like, let's go to Sonic and go grab, you know, a route 44 a drink. It's on me or whatever, or grab a group of those girls. Um, and that, that in itself, I realize for a lot of you listening today is, is super intimidating in itself. Um, and honestly, when I used to go and when I was on church staff and we used to go to like school lunches and I would show up in the middle school lunchroom, it was terrifying to me for some reason, even though I knew kids mm-hmm. in the room, I was just like, oh my gosh, what are they going to think of me? But like yeah. that I think so many of us as women, we get around teenagers and we're like, I don't know how to act because they're teenagers. I'm a grown up. What are they going to think? And like, even though I knew it was my calling, like I was still terrified to walk into a lunchroom like that. And so it's just to find the one or two that you can say, Hey, like I saw you doing this, or I like, I know this about you. Like, tell me more about that. And even like to sit down and say, can you explain this whole TikTok thing to me or this whole Snapchat thing to me? Like, can you show me what that is? Like sometimes it's asking them to teach us something that they'll go, Oh yeah, like I can totally show you how to do that. Like, and so it's something as simple as just letting them teach you and letting them feel like they can get, they have something to offer to you when you really, you're trying to offer something to them in the long run mm-hmm. um, that makes this mutual relationship that can be really sweet. And so I think that's one thing you can do. And, um, and two, like maybe you're already, maybe you're a mom of a teenage girl or you have a niece or, um, or maybe you are one of those brave women who is leading a seventh or eighth grade girls, small group or an 11th grade girl, small group on a Sunday morning. Um, it's just to say, Hey, you know, like I'm going to show up outside of just Sunday morning for you. And I'm going to text you and let you know that I'm praying for you. I'm going to check in on you and not just be the, the, the leader, the small group, small group leader, whatever that looks like, who's only present on Sunday mornings. And I want Mm -hmm. to invite you into my home or into my life and for you to know my family too. And for not to just feel like these isolated one-off experiences that they can't really connect past. And so it's just trying to figure out ways to meet them right where they are that really makes such a big difference in the long run. And like, and I know all of that is super simple, but for a lot of us as adults, we just want to go, well, that doesn't matter. Like, that's not that big of a deal. Like surely there's something more complex that we need to do, but really like, like one thing I learned over the last year is um, my boss, Ben Trueblood um, at Lifeway wrote a book called Within Reach that was statistics about reaching the next generation. And one of the ones that stood out to me the most was students were more likely to stick and stay in church and college if they had at least three key adults outside of their parents who had an impact on their life. And that could be like a band director, a coach, but it could also be a small group leader, a friend, you know, like a a college age mentor or whatever that looked like. But those three relationships outside of, you know, their family are ones that made them want to stick and stay in church. And so it's like we have as a responsibility as the body of Christ 
we have a responsibility to step up to the plate and say, hey, I'm going to be a part of ministering to the next generation of our churches so that we have a next generation to reach Mm -hmm. and so that we have people to keep investing in. And so while it seems simple, sometimes we just have to get over our scared selves and just do the thing that God has put right in front of us to do. Yeah, yeah. I love this. And I loved your point in trying to ask questions. I think good mentors, good disciple makers are good question askers. And so, and I think, I don't know where we picked this lie up along the way, but for some reason we thought that whoever we're discipling, like we have to be exactly like them. Right. Or, you know, like, and that's not the case. Um, so I don't necessarily work with uh, junior high or high school students. I work in our college ministry at our church. And um, so it brought back the memory of the college ministry is on GroupMe. That's an app that we are mm-hmm. able to use to kind of like use all. And so I kept making fun of it, like on purpose. I'm like, okay, so are you on the GroupMe? Are we GroupMe? You know, and just tried to turn it into a bunch of different verbs. Yeah. And, um, and then I'm like, how do I add people to this? And so they taught me how to use this app. And, right. um, and that's what we use to communicate and stuff. And so they poke fun at me now and call me group mead, you know, Jackie and, <laughs> and those kind of things. But, you know, it was just a very simple, like common thing that they were able to show me and that I'm able to now use in our ministry, you know, mm-hmm. and so... And even whenever um, I'm leading small group and things like that, like I'll ask them questions and they'll talk about people in culture, you know, and things that I have no clue who they are. Right. And I'm like, okay, tell me who that is. Let's Google that guy right now, you know, and like, oh yeah, he is fun or he's cute, you know, that kind of thing. And then I'll bring up, you know, who my teen crush was or something like that. And so, and they won't have any clue who it is, but the point is not who the crush is. The point is that we were both in that same position at some point in time. It's a right. commonality. Mm-hmm. And so I think there is some freedom there and knowing that you don't have to be like conforming to them. They don't want another peer. They have those. Yes. Um, I think they want women that are invested, that are willing to listen and to hear their stories and that honestly, I mean, who doesn't like to poke fun at each other, you know? And so just getting to laugh and learn together and spend time together, I think is a lot of what's kind of coming off of um, some of those tactics that you were talking about. So very good. Okay. One thing that you mentioned um, that I really want to kind of throw at you in our remaining time is there is so much conversation around how we are losing this generation, Yeah. um, that they are in church while they're in school and once they go off to, um, you know, later years in high school, college, that they kind of fall away. So I really kind of want to chat through what are some of the trends that you're seeing and what have you learned that is helping our young people stick to the church? And I think you already kind of hit on it, but let's talk about it maybe a little bit more. Yeah, I think so much of it. And like, and you, you know, maybe you're somebody listening today who is sitting there going, okay, like I have no desire to work with teenagers. That's okay. Like it's not every single one of us is not called to like like disciple a teenage girl, but like, we're all called to like, to do something that will activate somebody else into further, you know, walking further in their walk with the Lord. And we just have to be strategic in how we do that. And so I think when we look at this, this gap between, you know, graduating seniors and, um, you know, college students, and then on into like what we would call adult ministry in the church, um, there, there are such big gaps that oftentimes like we're trying to put a bandaid on something after like the problem is like, gushing Mm -hmm. blood like way before because we try to talk to seniors in high school about sticking and staying in church and they're like hey nobody's been saying this like anytime before now and like so why does it matter so much right now Mm -hmm. you know and even as college students it's trying to get them like come show up where we are do what we're doing and they're like 
but why does that matter now? Cause it's never really mattered before. Like, and, yeah. and they have a whole lot of adults telling them what they should do and where they should be in a season of life where they're just trying to go, but I thought I was able to make my own decisions for myself now. And so it's like trying to embed some of those things earlier on in their, in their hearts and their minds where they feel like church is a place for them, no matter what age they are or life stage they're in. And, and I think that's where in our local churches so often, we struggle to try to figure out like how to help people bridge gaps onto the next stage of life, whatever that is. And, and that's like a place that I think for all of us, we could like, we could grow and try to figure out how we can make a, 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 whether it's a ninth grade girl who is in high school trying to figure life out as a, as a freshman, you know, everything starts to count now towards college or whatever she's doing in the rest of her life. And it's super stressful. But like, as you're, if you're doing a women's event and you're talking about things like anxiety or, or fear or depression, and it would be appropriate to invite high school girls to be a part of that, invite them along. Yeah. And say, Hey, you know, the Bible's for you too. Like these things are, are just as important for you. You may have to take some of the examples where the lady who's up there speaking and it's some of it's coaching them ahead of time and say, she may be talking about her husband and her kids and her job. But like you think, you know, your friends at school, social media and, um, and your homework, like when, when she says those things, it's helping them to put it in context, but to realize that there's a place for every age woman in her church. And, and so often they don't see that. And even for me, like I grew up in a ministry home where my family was super involved in church forever and still is. But like when I graduated high school, you know, I was obviously involved in college ministry, then in student ministry. But then when I um, started working full time in student ministry, like they would invite me to like adult, like women's things at church. And I was like, Oh no, 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 that's not for me. That's for like my mom and her friends. Like they do women's <laughs> ministry. Yeah. Like, you know, as a 22 year old, even up to like when I started working at Lifeway at 28 and, and ended up with a job in women's ministry that I never thought I would have. Cause I was like, Ooh, women's ministry, that's for the old ladies. Mm-hmm. And like, that's just all I ever saw was, was that it was for this generation that was way ahead of me. And I never found, I never saw my place there. And so I think if we can help girls to see that no matter your age and life stage, you have have a place in the local body. Um, you know, you have a place to, to belong, to plug in. That's where this transformational thing begins to happen where they could go, I could show up at that church and surely they'd have somewhere for me to go. But so often we just go, I've been over here in the student building for the last four years. And so like, I don't even know what's, what else is happening in that big building over there. Mm -hmm. And so often we, and I don't think it's intentional because I've been at the churches where the building is across the parking lot and we say, come on, like, come go with us. Like we're going to big church or whatever you want to call it. And, um, but trying to help them visually and physically bridge those gaps before they get to them. Because otherwise they just go, oh, that's for somebody else. That's for my parents. That's for other people. And like, I don't know where I could fit. And so whether that's just inviting, you know, your high schoolers to be a part of an event that you're doing at church or letting them serve in some way, um, but letting them see like, we are women in the church who care about Jesus and we care about you too. And like Mm -hmm. mixing up the generations so that they can feel like they're a part of what's going on. And now will that be appealing to every single girl? No, but I think it's just the more that we can open up those doors when it's appropriate to say, Hey, we're all here as women in our church. And so women's ministry isn't some club you join later on in life. This is for you now, like as you're growing up into it, that they can see a bigger picture. And I think that that, that begins to turn the tide and change things for them so that they can see what's ahead before they get there. Hmm. 
Okay, so this brings up something that, um, honestly, like this last Sunday in small group, you know, we're talking about just um, in my college girls, and they're talking about, you know, just how hard things are, that they're so stressed out, all of these expectations from adults, you know, and parents on grades and all of these kind of things. And, um, and one of my girls said, you know, yeah, it's stressful, but I know later on, you know, like life is just going to get more stressful, you know, and just talking about the next phase and, and that kind of thing. And so this kind of reminds me a little bit of that conversation and what you're saying. And I'm wondering, even in just how we as ministers and as older women, we always talk about the next stage as like, that's when they arrive, you know, Um, and that, you know, it's going to be worse there and those kind of things. And so I'm almost kind of thinking like for us to be really mindful of you have a space right now, like you're saying, and you also have like mission right now. And Mm -hmm. so I'm wondering how much of our young people are thinking like, I'll be on mission later or I'll serve the church later. And that's causing, I think, a lot of the gap because they're thinking, well, I just need to focus on me, you know, in Mm -hmm. school and all of these other expectations that are thrown on. And then they never become a part of the church mission. Like they never become a part of that serving. Would you Mm -hmm. agree? Absolutely. And it's such a consumer mentality of like, I'm going to show up to church and I'm going to go get what's good for me and then I'm going to leave. And and unless, and I think too, like one of those other, and I don't like, it's one of those statistics that people make up, but this one's not made up. I just don't know the percentage (laughs) of like, of students who go on a mission trip, especially an international mission trip, by the time they graduate high school, that is another thing that really propels them forward to stick and stay in church beyond that because they see that it's not all about them. Mm. And part of the problem in students seeing it, that it's thinking that it's all about them is that's the way their parents are acting at church. And a lot of times if I'm having an issue with a teenage girl, like, you know, with her, the way she's dressing or behavior or like whatever it is. And like, and I'm trying to like have a conversation with the mom. A lot of times the same, you see the same things reflected. That's not, that is not a broad statement across the board, but yeah. like, but sometimes you just go, okay, like, I think this is a bigger problem than just this, you know, 13 year old girl who's struggling with this. It's coming from what she's being fed at home. And so if we can somehow try to help our people rid themselves of that consumer mentality, which is a much bigger task than I like mm-hmm. I, than, than any of us can tackle <laughs> on our own. But of them seeing that like, hey, there's something for me to be a part of, like you said, to be on mission and to be, you know, I can give back. And even the church that was our home church in Nashville, um, our high school students met on Sunday nights and not on Sunday mornings. And so they served all throughout our church on Sunday mornings. And I loved mm-hmm. seeing that because they yeah. they not only were serving, but they also got to know adults throughout the church and kids throughout the church because they were serving in, in a variety of roles. And so it's finding things that they can do at their age and that they can plug back in and serve that way it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And also not, this used to get on our nerves a lot in student ministry whenever we were serving there to where um, the students are not just like trash pickup um, or like the grunge jobs of Mm -hmm. the church. And so I think that is something maybe to throw out there too, that like they need to be serving alongside us. We don't need to be giving them like the junk jobs that nobody wants to do. They can serve in preschool. Yes. Like they can get up in preschool or kids ministry and like jump up and down and sing songs and help kids understand a Bible verse. Like they're more than capable of that. And not only are they teaching those kids, they're hearing that truth resonated in their hearts for themselves. And that's a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. So much goodness and just really good, like practical advice that I think you're giving. So I appreciate it so Absolutely. much. All right, girlfriend, we are out of time and I want to make sure that we are able to plug your book a little bit. Yeah. And so can you give us just like a brief synopsis of what that is and where women can go to find a copy and to get their own? Yes. Um, the book is called Show Her the Way, Your Guide for Discipling Teenage Girls. And honestly, it really is 
you could rip the word teenage out of it. And it's really just a primer on discipleship. It talks about the first half of the book is sort of what is discipleship and why is it so important? And for some of you, that's a topic that like, you're like, oh, I've got this. And honestly, some of us, like I needed a reminder of a lot of the truths that I was able to dig up and be reminded of. And so the first half of the book, really, there are a lot of interactive spaces for you to kind of define what that looks like in your life and in your space and with the people and the girls that you're around. And then the second half of the book kind of moves into practical ways to begin to walk that out and, and just really tangible tools. I also um, consulted a bunch of my friends in ministry and both men and women who have had a part of teenage discipleship over the years. And um, like a friend of mine who's a counselor wrote a section on when, when's the right time to send a girl to a counselor? Like when does that transition need to happen? And a friend who works in collegiate ministry who wrote a section on, um, like the difference that it makes when a teenage girl has been discipled before she gets to college and just some, some crucial things like that, that are not necessarily my area of expertise, but I was able to lean on some great friends who, who spoke into those areas, but just giving you some really practical handholds. Um, and so that's really what the book is about. And just meant it's meant to be something you'll work in and write in and, and, um, and go back to over time, not just like a one-time sit down, read. Um, if you sit down and read it all in one, in one fell swoop, you've missed the point, I think. And, um, but it's available. (laughs) but Lifeway and Amazon and, um, but just was such a joy. It was really hard, but a lot of fun at the same time to work on. And it's been exciting just to see how the Lord's using that to just equip and empower women to go do what we're called to do. So good. All right. Well, you are going to want to make sure that you hop on Lifeway or Amazon and grab a copy. And then I will also make sure to add Mary Margaret's um, connections like on Twitters and socials so that if you have any specific questions that you want to reach out to her, or I would even highly recommend you bringing her to your church. She is just gifted in so many ways and has so much wisdom that I think I know I have benefited from. And I think um, now so many are getting to benefit from as she is released that book and um, doing podcasts and just serving in all different kinds of ways. And so Mary Margaret, I really am so thankful that you joined us today. Thank you so much, Jackie. It was a pleasure. So glad that she was on. And again, as always, I am thankful that you joined us for another episode of At the Table. Just to give you a heads up, this is going to be our last episode for this season, and then we will pick back up at the beginning of January. And so this is a perfect time for you to be able to share some of the episodes that have been your favorites. If you've missed a couple, you can go back and listen to some of those. And we will make sure that we are able to uh, get back on at the beginning of January. And I hope that you will join us for those episodes of At the Table. Y'all have a great week. All right.